you appreciate our nursery workers, give them a hand. Amen. Amen. God's good, ain't he? Amen. Um, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Does anybody know a verse in John chapter 3? Probably the most quoted verse in history. It's John three, sixteen, and uh, I watched a video one day how they talked about three sixteen in one of Tim Tebow's football games, and they was talking about how John three sixteen was Googled more at that time, and there's a lot of stuff to it. But I want to let you know Tim Tebow didn't make John three sixteen famous. The cross did. The cross did. Amen. I, I want to, again, we're, we're kind of in a series here. We're going to go through the month of February talking about types and shadows of the Old Testament to the new parallels. Um, this should build your faith in Scripture because there's things that was written 1,500 years before that would type exactly what happened 1,500 years later. And there's no way that human minds could concoct that. There's no way that they could make that work backdate scripture there's no way they could do that it was already written and because it was already written and then fulfilled then we we see that we can hold on to scripture as truth so it should build your faith knowing that this bible that you have is real and you say well i believe that but the bible says you should be able to give an answer for the hope that is within you so you should know so that you can give this world an answer that you didn't just lose your mind and become a christian um, to become a Christian does not mean that you have to kiss your brains goodbye. I know some of you have, <laughs> but you don't have to. You can still have a sound answer through Scripture. So this narrative right here is pretty interesting. We know the story. Uh, uh, I heard a guy preach a sermon titled Jesus with Nick at Night about this one time, but there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, hence Jesus with Nick at night, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can go ahead and sit down and I'll read this as we go. But I love, I love Jesus, I love the way he has conversations with people. He said, you know, we know you're a teacher. There's no way you could do these miracles unless that God be with you. And Jesus says, unless you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. It seems so random to me. That's not going with the thought. The thought is, man, you're doing miracles. We know there's something to it. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And it, it just seems like he's going off on a tangent. Next verse says, Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? People, this is a legitimate question. And I, I see why he asked this. You got to be born again. How? 
He's trying to wrap his mind around what Jesus is saying. He said, how can that, how can that happen? How can he be born when he's old? Next verse. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. <laughs> Man, are y'all following this? Are you? I mean, if I'm Nicodemus, I'm going, what did I just do? Where is all this coming from? He starts talking about water, spirit. All I said was, man, I think you're of God. You're a teacher of God. You're doing miracles. And then Jesus takes over. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. This is good. Nicodemus, I, I am with him, answered and said unto him, How? How can these things be? How can they be? Jesus answered, said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? I mean, let me put that in our language. What's the matter with you, buddy? Don't you know this? You're a master and you don't know this? If I'm him, my head is spinning. I don't know what this is about. He said, verily I say unto you, we speak that we know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witnesses. Who's y'all? He starts talking in plurality here. And it's just going, who are y'all? What do you... If I've told you, now here, watch this. If I've told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? Okay, that kind of helps. That kind of starts tying things together a little bit. It starts saying, man, he knows. He knows he's not understanding what he's talking about. He knows that. But he said, I brought a witness and you didn't receive my witness. We, we've, we've testified. We, we've told things. And you've not received my, our witness. He's talking about he and the disciples. He's talking about the witness that they are proclaiming throughout, throughout the, the land. And, and he's like, you're not receiving that. He said, if I tell you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Uh, Verse 13 is where Jesus shifts gears. Everything shifts right here. Because up until this point, what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is what he has to do. What he needs to do. What needs to happen to him. You need to be born of the water and of the spirit. You need to be born again. You need, he's talking about spirit change and all this stuff. That Nic all that needs to happen to Nicodemus. This is, it's, you must be born again. You must. It's, it's all on Nicodemus. But then Jesus shifts in verse 13 and again, again, I want you to try to follow this line of thinking. He says, no man ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. If I'm Nicodemus, I'm like, just forget it, man. Like, you know what? 
I'm sorry I stopped by. Because it seems like he's just ranting. And you're like, what are you talking about? I just think you're a good guy and from God and you, you got God with you and you're, you're doing miracles. And Jesus is like, no man sent it up to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. I'm going, huh? But watch the connection. The connection is verse 12. Back up. He says, and if I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? There's a connection there. He starts talking about heavenly things. But, but then he says, listen, there's, there's nobody that has went up and came down that can teach you heavenly things except me. Oh, man. Now it starts making sense. I just want to let you know, Nick, I'm the only one that has came down that can tell you about the things that are heavenly. I'm the only one that can teach you these things because I'm the only one that has been there and I'm here now. Let me say it like this. Before Abraham was, I am. I've been there. I know what's going on in heaven and there ain't nobody on this earth that has went up and can tell you what I can tell you. But then he shifts back. He shifts again. I'm, I'm like, okay, I got you now. But then he goes to verse 14, and he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Man, we've done bit from rabbi to teaching to water to spirit to heaven to the wilderness. This, this, this little sermon's listen, if you preach like this, they're not going to follow you. If you gave a sermon like this, you know, you got to have a, a theme and you got to work that theme through scripture and you got to tie it all together at the end. If you preach like this, we're going to call this a shotgun sermon. Buckshot just going everywhere. Like there's no direct goal or aim, but he, there is. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He don't just talk randomly. He's working something here because in him is the word of life. He was the word. This is the word speaking the word. And here's our parallel. Here's the purpose of our series. Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Listen real close. Nicodemus was a ruler. He knew the Old Testament. He knew this story. So what Jesus is saying, you can't understand the heavenly, and I could teach you heavenly things, but you can't receive it. But I, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to something you know. I'm going to give you some things that have happened here on earth so that you can understand. Listen to this really close. You can't understand the things of God unless you're born again anyway. The natural man, Brother Rick, cannot receive the things of the Spirit. He can't do it as much as you try to grasp it. You come to church and, and, and you sit in a pew and, and you're trying to grasp all of this stuff. And let's be honest, sometimes you don't understand any of it. Come on. As a sinner, I would sit in church and I was like, man, I, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was raised in a Baptist church. And then when I went to a Pentecostal church, they just broke all the rules. When I was a kid, they said, don't run in the church. Went to the Pentecostal. Somebody ought to just run. I'm like, we're not allowed. They just, they just broke all the rules. It's like, man, this is, this is just interesting. What happened? 
You're sitting there and you're trying to figure all this stuff out. You'll never figure God out. You'll never quantify him. You're never going to sit down and look at me and say, man, I believe I got God figured out. No, you don't. You ain't that smart. You're never going to figure him out. He says, you got to be born again. Now, he reveals things to you through the Spirit. Now, once you're born again, somebody give me a testimony. When you're born again, you start understanding the things of God through the Spirit of God. Who knows the things of God save the Spirit of God? When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will testify of me. Just to let you know, that means the Spirit talks. So if anybody tells you God's not talking anymore, tell them you know he is because the Spirit is testifying to him. When he comes, he's going to tell you about me. He's a testifier. That means he talks. So here we go. Moses, I said all that to get you here. (laughs) Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. I want you to notice a couple things here. Let me take you to Numbers. The book of Numbers uh, 27, I think. Is that where I'm at, Shane? 21. Here's the story. This is what he's talking about. Nicodemus knew this story. He was a ruler of the Jews. He knew this story. He knew their history. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. I don't have time to camp out there. And the people spake against God. Whoa. Whoa. Listen, I don't, I don't want to breeze past that because that's heavy. That's heavy. They spake against Moses. That's, that's bad. They wasn't just speaking against Moses. They spake against God. If you think that God is just this big, lovable teddy bear in the sky that winks at everything you do, he's not. He is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. Watch this. Wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, there is, there's no water, our soul longeth loatheth this what this light bread that's what my grandpa used to call bread huh they say you want some light bread (laughs) it's like you got heavy bread (laughs) I don't know what that was but if it was in a loaf cut it's light bread listen to what they said we loatheth we we can't stand this bread We're sick of this manna that came from heaven. Let me put this into perspective. We know how sacred communion is. You you set the table. You have the bread. You have the wine. You've got it all set out. This is like somebody walking up to the communion table and raking it off and say, I hate this stuff. That's the perspective. Can you imagine if that would happen? Could you imagine how you would feel if somebody just said, I hate this bread? They said, we, we, we loatheth. We can't, we can't hack it anymore. Watch what happens. The Lord sent fiery serpents among them. Not just to scare them. They bit the people. 
and much people of Israel died. They died. I, 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 I want you to notice a couple things right here. Number one, I want you to notice that it was God that sent the serpents. God sent the serpents. I love you. I love you so much I'm going to tell you this. There will come a day when God pours out his judgment on the ungodly. And if you are among that number, mercy, the day of mercy has been shut. There, there is that God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave you a way out. He's gave you a way of escape. But how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How you can't escape the wrath of God. This is God's wrath. And when God pours out his wrath, there is no place to hide. There is no place of safety. There is no place of rest. There is a place called hell. It is eternal. It is the wrath of God. Perry, the reason it is so horrible is because it is the complete opposite of the love of God. Oh, let me say that again. As horrible as hell is, that's how great heaven is. This choice should be a no-brainer. This choice should be easy to make. A man looked at me one time and he said, I don't like God. And I said, why don't you like him? He said, I think he's arrogant. I said, he's got every right to be. He's God. Like he's God. He can be arrogant. He's high and lifted up. He's the highest of all. That beside him there is no other. He's got every right to throw his weight around. He's God. He said, well, I don't like the idea that he's like, serve me or I'll throw you into hell. I said, that's how much he loved you. He made the choice so easy. It's not hard. Thank you. It's not difficult. It's, a, it's, a, it's an easy decision. They spoke against God, Sister Kathy. And because they spoke against God, he begins to pour out his wrath on people. Listen, we got to get this concept out of our head. Well, God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Let me tell you who gets cast into hell, the sinner. He doesn't separate it from them and say, oh, I love you, but I hate your sin. No, he casts the sinner into hell. God is holy. God is righteous. Let's quit trying to make him something he's not. We're trying to make God fit in because we live in a society that doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's time to get past that. It ain't about your feelings. This is about your eternity. Oh, man, I couldn't imagine. I talked to some of these school teachers that teach these kids now, man, you're dealing with a mess. Little Johnny got his feelings hurt. Everybody makes the team now. Because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And it's carried over into the church. We don't want to hurt your feelings. Listen, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I want to save your soul. And if i got to do hurt your feelings to get you there, so be it. If you got to be sorrowful to come to the altar, so be it. Godly sorrow works repentance. It's not glory happiness that works repentance. You know, I went to church and just glee hit me everywhere, so I ran to the altar. <laughs> Who does that? Joy and rapture. 
No, there's repentance. This is the side of God you don't want to deal with. And I want to tell you something about God's wrath. God is not wrath. He has wrath. God is love. What do you mean by that? God's love. That's what he is. That means I cannot do anything at all to make God love me anymore, and I can't do anything at all to make God love me any less. God is love. Wrath is conditional. He sent fiery serpents among them. The Lord sent snakes. I don't like snakes. Wouldn't it be better if he sent like gerbils? God sent hamsters among them and they bit them. But a snake, a snake is like the, the epitome of evil. Ain't it? Ain't it what we, when the devil got cursed, he was cursed as a serpent? When you think of a serpent, I know there's people out there that like snakes now. I can't help it. There's something wrong with them. Oh, snakes don't bother me. They don't bother me either if I see them before I, they see me and I got a gun. You shouldn't kill them. They're part of the ecosystem. They bite people. He sent this. Who sent them? God sent them. Well, that just don't seem fair. Let's not get into fairness. They spoke against God. Man, I had a guy stand in my living room one time, and he looked at me, and he said, God ain't done nothing right by me. He said, man, I hate to pee in your shoes. With that kind of attitude and that kind of thought, there's something broke in you. Because he ain't never done me nothing, done me nothing but good, good, good. Even when it didn't look good, it's good. Amen. Thank you. Good singing, Damon. Thank you. Sent fire something, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. The wages of sin is death. They died. They died. Next verse. Watch this. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Yep. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Don't talk about the pastor either. Pray unto the Lord. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. What a guy. They're talking junk about him. And God. And murmuring. And hating the bread. And they're like, will you pray? And he's like, yes. Yes, I'll, I'll pray. He prays. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent. Set it upon a pole. It shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten... When he look upon it shall live. What? Hold on a second. I'm picturing a brazen snake on a pole. Looks like an idol to me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. I'm like, man, you're breaking your own rule. Right? We got an image here. We got an image. Why is this image here? And why is it a snake? Why is the image a snake? Oh, this is going to get good for you if you don't know this. What's the next verse say, Shane? I think I may be done. Verse 10. That's it. Okay. 
So they look, they live. All right, let's look at this real quick. Number one, this serpent on the pole does not prevent them from getting bit. Wow. It doesn't put a fence around them. It doesn't stop them from getting bit. The serpent on the pole does not stop them from being bitten. It's put there for people who were already bitten. It's not a guard to the poison. It's the answer for the poisoned people. Or do y'all see where this is going? It's provision for dying people. It's put there for people that are dying. That's why it's there. Number two, I want you to see this. The snake are in the camps because God is angry. So in reality, the root of the problem is not the poison, it's the wrath of God. Y'all following me? Man, we're on shouting ground. Somebody give me G. So when you looked at the pole... You wasn't trying to overcome the poison. You was trying to overcome the wrath of God. So when they looked at the pole, God turned his wrath away from them and saved them through obedience. <laughs> Could you imagine if you got bit? Look at the pole. No. No, man, look at the pole. Mm-mm, I won't do it. I want to have fun a little while longer. Are you crazy? Look at the bowl. Look at the bowl. Look at the bowl. You're going to die. I don't care. I can handle this. No, you can't. Your leg's swelling up. You're about gone, pal. Breathing heavy. Oxygen cut off. <laughs> Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? Look at the bowl. Look at the bowl. No, I got this. I'm fine. And then you die. This is, oh, man. You, you, you stand and you give altar call after altar call after altar call. And the unbeliever says, I won't look. I, I got this. You're dying, man. You are dying. You got to come. Look at the pole. Just look at the pole. Oh, glory. God chose to rescue the people from the serpent with an image of a serpent. This is why I'm not God, because I'd have stuck a lamb on that pole. I'd have been like, arch enemies, the serpent and the lamb, put the lamb on the pole. Anybody here from North Carolina? Anybody ever lived in North Carolina? Just want to let you know that North Carolina leads the nation in snake bites every year. Fun fact. Also, I want to let you know that if you are bit by a rattlesnake and you get antivenom, you can thank a sheep. Sheep have a natural immunity to snake bites. They take the venom and inject it into sheep. And it creates antibodies, and they take the antibodies back out of the sheep. This is a true story. I ain't making this up. This ain't just good preaching. This is real. (laughs) They take the antivenom back out. They purify it, and they save your life with it. Oh, man. So if I'm God, I'm like, put a sheep. Put a lamb up there. Counteract the snakes with the lamb. He says, no, I'm putting a snake up there. 
He overcomes the poison with a picture of the poison. This type is typing something else than the Lamb of God. This is typing something else besides the time that the lion became a lamb and the lamb became the king and all that. That's not what we're talking about here. This is talking about something else. Oh, glory. Here we go. You ready? Jesus is telling Nicodemus this sin problem is not only a problem of the human heart. It's not just a problem of the human heart. If sin was just an inward problem, then we could be Buddhist. Because you could overcome it from within yourself. So here's the deal. To overcome the sin problem, you have to look outside of you to something else. That, that right there was tweetable. Zach, I can't overcome my sin problem within myself. Come on, let's be honest. We've all tried it. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. No, you got to look somewhere else besides in yourself. So at verse 13, everything changes. Back to John chapter 3. Verse 13, everything changes. He stops talking about what Nicodemus needs to do, and he starts talking about what somebody else is going to do. Man, are y'all hearing me? He stops telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. No, he says, let me tell you something. Ain't nobody been to heaven and came down. Said me. I just want to let you know. And just as Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness, the Son of Man needs to be lifted up. He starts talking about what he's doing. That's outside of Nicodemus. That's outside of everything. Oh, man. Are you hearing me? Let me tell you something about the sin problem. You are never going to overcome your own sin problem through yourself. You better look outside of you because something happened 2,000 years ago. Something happened on a pole. Something happened. What was that that happened? He that knew no sin became sin. We, we, I can't wrap my mind around that. I've tried for years. This is going to bother you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Jesus didn't commit adultery. He became adultery. Jesus didn't commit homosexuality. He became homosexuality. You look at me funny. Jesus never was addicted, but he became addiction. It's no wonder he was praying in the garden and said, let this cup pass from me. The serpent is the enemy. Oh, man, are you hearing me? The serpent is evil. But if this type works out, Jesus became the serpent. So, oh, so that the serpents could become. Oh, glory. Do you see this? Do you see what I'm saying? The cure. The cure was the problem. The very poison, the very sin is what he became. He became the cure. So when I look to the cross, I understand why he despised the shame. 
I understand why there was so much disdain for him at the cross. There was enmity between him and the seed of the woman. There was enmity there. Oh, but he had to become sin so that you might be made the righteous. The curse was the serpent. The answer was the serpent. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Sin was your curse. He became your curse. If this doesn't ignite your praise for Jesus, I don't know what will. Oh, God, let this pass from me. I don't want to do this. No, not this. I don't want to become that. That's what I despise. That's what I hate, God. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He was willing to become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, thank you, Lord. We talk about the stripes. And we talk about the bruises. And we talk about the crown of thorns. We talk about all of that. But the greatest struggle was for that which was holy to become defiled. Do you understand what he did at the cross? He became the enemy so that we, enemies of God, could become friends. Every sin lost its power at the cross. Every disease lost its power at the cross. Every perversion lost its power at the cross because he carried it there and he crucified it. Why did Jesus have to die? He could have at any moment came down. No, he could not have. Once he became sin, he had to die. You said any moment he could have caught. No, he couldn't have. Because God, God's holiness demands that when there is sin, it demands death even to his son. You think that God's going to let you buy with your sin after seeing what he did to his son when he became sin? Oh, I beg to differ. You better get it right and you better get it right fast because there's a God and he's holy and he's looking for you to be born again of the water and of the spirit. What are you waiting on? He needs, he deserves your obedience and love. He deserves it. There is a picture. Shane, if you, I don't know how it's going to look. We just, I don't even know if y'all can see that. It's crazy to me to have to look up there and see a serpent lifted up. hard for me to look up there and see a 
serpent lifted up because Perry, I spent my whole Christian walk trying to put that serpent under my heel. Sin exalted. Sin lifted up. Jacob, we live in a society that exalts sin, that celebrates abominations. We live in a dangerous time. But let me tell you what else we live in. A time for the church because the church has got a light that shines brighter in the darkest times. My candle's still burning. I still know there's a way out. I still know what he became so that I could walk out. You see this symbol in a star on the back of an ambulance. You see a staff with a serpent wrapped around it. People have different ideas of where that comes from, but the most popular idea is it belongs, the staff belongs to a Greek god of medicine. Hmm. And the serpent, which they say is shedding, speaks of renewal. So through medicine, you will be renewed. I think somebody stole a symbol that never belonged to them. And since they ain't no Greek god of medicine, every time I see an ambulance and I see that serpent and I see that staff, I say, thank you, Lord, you're my healer. Thank you, Lord, you're my renewal. Thank you, Lord, you're my deliverer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being that so that I could become this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're wondering here today whether the Bible's true, this story happened about 1,400 years before Jesus showed up. I didn't say 1,400 hours 1400 days I said 1400 years before Jesus showed up Melba he became a curse now I hope you look at the cross a little differently now if you wear one around your neck I see some people do think about what happened man the cross is a place of shame I said the cross is a place of shame. But Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross. Why? Because you can't glory if there's no cross. Your sin is still alive if there's no cross. Oh, but sin was defeated. How do I know it was defeated? Because three days later, he got up. Sin couldn't hold him there. Sin couldn't hold him on that. Oh, you hear me? You hear me? I got a Savior that's greater than any sin. I got a Savior that got up and was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The devil's lying to you. He's been lying to you for a long time. He said, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. There's no way. There's no way. You don't want to go to church, go to the altar and be a hypocrite. You ain't going to be able to live good enough. (laughs) You sure ain't. 
You sure ain't. But there is a way. He lied and said there ain't no way. There is a way. That's the way. That's the way. That's the way. He is the way. Baptist roots. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. In this room today, you are here because God ordained you to be here. You're not here by accident. You're not here today by happenstance. You're here because God's got something for you. If you're here today and you are lost and you know you're lost, it's something to be lost. But man, when you're lost and you know you're lost and God's dealing with your heart, if that's you today, nobody's looking, would you slip your hand up and say, that's me, I know, I know I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. Would you slip your hand up? Would you say, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to ask you now, if you would, church, to pray. Some hands went up. Some hands went up. I want you to pray right now. Because they, like us, we've all been bitten by the serpent. We've all been poisoned. God didn't prevent us from getting bit, but he made provision. He made a way that we can live. And I'm praying right now that those that slip their hand up, nobody's looking, they're praying for you right now. Would you just stand up and just walk to the altar and say, I, I, I want to look, I want to look to the cross. I want to look to the cross. I've been bit. I've been bitten. I've been wounded. I know that I'm dying. I know that I'm dying, but I know that you made a way that I don't have to perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have ever, 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 everlasting life. Is that you? Are you willing to accept? Are you willing to step up? If he's drawing you, would you just step out of where you are and say, you know what, enemy, you're not holding me here anymore. I know in this condition I'm going to die, but not today, not today. I found out about a Savior. Would you step out? Would you step out? Would you come? Don't listen to that voice. Don't listen to that voice. The voice of the enemy's lying to you because he wants to see you die. But there's another voice that says, come. Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. Is he calling you?